Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 136. He opened a metal door in the wall. It swung open slowly. There was a four-foot drop to the ground, and he swung himself down to what felt like gravel. He picked up Laura by the waist, swung her down as he used to swing her, easily, without a second thought. The moon came out from behind a thick cloud. It was low on the horizon, ready to set, but the light it cast onto the snow was enough to see by. They had emerged from what turned out to be the black-painted metal car of a long freight train, parked or abandoned in a woodland siding. The series of cars went on as far as he could see, into the trees and away. Of course he had been on a train. He should have known. How the hell did you find me here? he asked his dead wife. She shook her head slowly, amused. You shine like a beacon in the dark world, she told him. It wasn't that hard, now. She told him, you need to go, just go, go as far and as fast as you can. Don't use your credit cards and you should be fine. Where should I go? She pushed a hand through her matted hair, flicking it back out of her eyes. The road's that way, she told him. Do whatever you can. Steal a car if you have to. Go south. Laura, he said, and hesitated. Do you know what's going on? Do you know who these people are? Who did you kill? Yeah, she said. I think I know. I owe you, said Shadow. I'd still be in there if it wasn't for you. I don't think they had anything good planned for me. No, she said, I don't think they did. They walked away from the empty train cars. Shadow wondered about the other trains he'd seen. Blank, windowless metal cars which went on for mile after mile, hooting their lonely way through the night. His fingers closed around the Liberty Dollar in his pocket, and he remembered Zoria Pulishnaya and the way she had looked at him in the moonlight. Did you ask her what she wanted? It is the wisest thing to ask the dead. Sometimes they will tell you. Laura, what do you want? he asked. You really want to know? Yes, please. And that's our page. Here again we have another moment where the size difference between Laura is mentioned, between Laura and Shadow is mentioned. He swings her down from the train, and it's described as easily without a second thought. And I'm pretty sure it's just a coincidence, but this is mirrored from when Shadow helped Wednesday Chernobog and Nancy got onto the carousel. I'm not 100% certain it's complete coincidence, but it does seem to be described in similar terms. But we get further confirmation that Laura is definitely slight and a petite woman, so the things she did with the guards continue to be impressive and a bit scary. Shadow thought a couple chapters ago that he would rather be confused by Laura's reappearance than afraid of her, and yeah, I get that. The TV series gives a much more direct look at Laura's additional abilities after coming back from the dead, and so I sort of forgot that the book, at least thus far, only really hints at it. As they exit the train, Shadow sees that he's being held on a train and thinks that he should have known, and why, exactly? The metal prison could easily have been a storage crate on an abandoned concrete lot on a slow boat to Guantanamo Bay, though, as I make that reference, I realize that Guantanamo Bay wasn't used a as a prison in 2000 when this was written, was it? But a metal crate doesn't have to be on a train. I guess it's the most convenient way to get people places, especially if you're in the middle of the country, like Wisconsin or wherever he is right now. Spoiler alert, it's Wisconsin. So it just seems like a really odd thing to think, but Shadow's still not completely in his right mind. Also of interest on the page, to me at least, Shadow asks, how did you find me here? And he's asking his dead wife, and I'm trying to figure out if... Oh, it, it's it's literally said on the page. That's what I'd made a note of it. It said, 
instead of said Shadow asked Laura, it says he asked his dead wife. And I'm trying to figure out if it's a device to remind us that Laura has died and come back from the dead or what. I have a shit memory sometimes. I need to meet characters in books or on TV or movies several times before I can remember their names effectively. And other times I never remember their names. But even if they don't show up for about 100 pages, I feel like I would remember that Laura is dead and back in her new lich revenant zombie form. <clears throat> but maybe the reminder isn't for me. It just seemed like a really odd turn of phrase, and it seemed really out of place on the page, to me personally at least. That said, Laura tells Shadow she was able to find him because he shines like a beacon in a dark world, and I can't find a direct reference to this, but I'm 98% certain it's an illusion. There are dozens and dozens of quotes within Christian groups that are similar to this, or 98% the same, but... This is a novel more steeped in Norse references than Christian ones. Even so, it could be easy to think of Shadow as a sort of messiah figure by the time we get to the end, but it's not really something we're going to discuss right now, I guess. For now, let's put a pin in it. If you know the reference, please let me know. As the novel goes on, we'll, like I said, we'll be making some connections between Shadow and other messiah figures, and we can discuss if this quote has more a more deeper meaning than what I can think of right now. Laura directs Shadow to the road and warns him not to use his credit cards, tells Shadow to head south. Why south? I'm not 100% certain, but I think it's honestly A, the quickest way to the road, and B, the quickest way not to be in sub-zero temperatures forever. And I guess it also could be that traveling south would get Shadow away from all the strange business he's been wrapped up in. And it kind of happens for about six pages before he's back doing what he was already doing. But anyway, Shadow asks Laura if she knows who all the people she killed are. And she says she does, and Shadow decides not to follow up on this and get any kind of useful information from her. He just moves on pretty quickly, but he's also in shock, so I guess I'll let it go. It's important to remember that Shadow just suffered a beating that would literally be considered torture in most definitions, and he's already trying to come to terms with the truth about gods and Wednesday and even still coming to terms with Laura. So I think he's on that autopilot again. He's had a number of traumatic experiences in a very short period of time, and he's shutting down and going into survival mode. Shadow thanks her and says that they had nothing good intended for him, and Laura agrees, which makes me wonder if she's just humoring him, because we'll find out later that Shadow was meant to escape a bit further up the tracks here. He was never meant to be rescued by his wife, but, well, you can't predict a lich or a revenant. And at the near the bottom of the page, Shadow starts remembering other trains he's seen traveling in the night. And I think he's wondering just how often people disappear in the country that he's living in. It's I might be another prescient moment on Neil's part here. It's hard to remember a time before September 11, 2001. But there was a time where I don't know that people considered other people disappearing in this country, either in the backs of trains or planes or somehow or other jetted off to black site interrogation places. And so I've just, it's, it's a really odd thing for Shadow to think, but I think this is something that 
Shadow considers more and more as the novel moves forward. He starts really considering how narrow his worldview is and how how common his experiences are for other people. Though I also kind of wonder how many people are meeting gods on a daily basis like Shadow is. Maybe more than we think. He clutches the coin for protection and then remembers that Zoroya Pulishnaya asked him told him to ask Laura what she wanted, and he does, but we can't discuss her answer until tomorrow's episode. Get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com or on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme song. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page, and remember, only the gods are real.